If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, back inside the locker room. The power hour has been fully engaged now. We are well into our number two inside the locker room here. And we are joined by the distinguished, the esteemed, the ever- Knowing and all-knowing Bob Labriola, <laughs> a man of many talents and skills, Steelers Digest editor, is just one of those. Steelers historian, Steelers.com contributor, asked and answered. He will answer. He is, he is the guru. He is the swami of all things Steelers. Somehow the and intro I gets better up, every week, man. I, I, I can't help but continue to go on this tirade of awesomeness <laughs> um, to introduce our, our, our esteemed guest, Bob Labriola. How are you, Bob? I just got one question, Max. All of that yes. uh, preamble there, does that add time to the end of my segment, or do I get to take it off and deduct it? <laughs> don't, don't worry. You get to deduct it. It's like taxes. You know, this is a write-off. I'm just helping you out. Okay. You know, just trying to I'll create deductions. Well, keep going, Max. I'd rather listen to you than listen to me, too. <laughs> oh, man. Bob, we are so happy to have you. And, of course, after this game, divisional game, you know, the game, it really the ones that count when you're talking about trying to make a playoff push, uh, going into Cincy now two years in a row and coming out with a victory. Um, you know, just kind of your thoughts, observations from the first run in the post Canada eras era well I mean you know it looked it looked um it looked better you know it was it was pretty and everything but um I still had the defibrillator out in the fourth quarter um (laughs) because you know I I don't I don't mean to be a a, you know a party pooper or anything but it would be nice you know with uh you know a couple three minutes left in the fourth quarter not to be in a game where you know one snap of the ball could uh, change you know, whether you're a winner or a loser. So, um, yeah, I would like to see more points. Um, but again, I think that, you know, it looked better. Uh, I think that, um, uh, and maybe, Hey, I'm just being optimistic, but I, I think that, you know, moving forward as everyone, um, gets more acclimated with the new system and the new way of operating, doing business, so to speak, from the offensive side. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, one for four in the red zone won't be a, a you know, a, a, re- a recurring statistic. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and here's here's the thing, really. The, the thing that I was, well, that things that I was most uh, pleased about was it seemed to me that both Kenny Pickett and Najee Harris um, I won't say, you know, they, they, but they felt, they looked to me to be regenerated 
to use a word, mm-hmm. um, because I thought that, you know, one of the immediate aftermaths of the decision on Matt Canada seemed to me that, um, you know, it was being seen, and I don't know, but I'm not speaking for the player or for the people inside the Steelers facility, um, but it seemed to me that it was kind of a referendum on Kenny Pickett. Uh, okay, now you get rid of Matt Canada, uh, and let's see what this guy has through the end of this season. And then I firmly believe that, you know, 2024 will begin, was going to begin uh, with Kenny Pickett uh, as the starting quarterback. But then, you know, that would have been his third NFL season. Then you're getting into, do we uh, um, renew his... You know, yeah, um, activate his fifth-year option, pick up his fifth-year option, uh, because you know that's that's a decent number, right? Uh, in terms of salary, and then after that, you know, if if you're going to keep him, he is a quarterback, starting quarterback, twentieth pick in the first round. Uh, you know, that's gonna that's gonna cost you, you know, more than uh, fifty cents uh, <laughs> to do that too. So, you know, I remember John Mitchell telling me uh, a long time ago that. You know, teams have a tendency to look at their players differently once they get into the period of that individual's contract where, you know, you got to start making decisions, uh, financial decisions on this person. Uh, maybe a little bit beyond, you know, it goes from can he play to is he worth it? Mm. Um, you know, when you're getting right. into second contracts and that kind of stuff. So I was really happy to see what we saw from Pickett. Um I thought he was much more engaged in command. And one of the things I really liked was, you know, after the game, and I saw this, uh, I saw this, I wasn't there for this. Um, Pickett got himself into that tunnel fairly quickly, directly after the game. And then he waited outside the locker room and waited for each of his teammates, mm. congratulated them, shook hands, exchanged, you know, whatever. You couldn't hear what he was saying. But sometimes he had words for, you know, each guy. Uh, and I like that. I mean, I, I think that that's part of being a quarterback, uh, which is goes beyond playing quarterback. And uh, the other thing was Najee. Um, you know, I think with Najee Harris, uh, it's not so much how many snaps he, he's on the field for or how many touches he gets. Um, but Bill Cower in the pregame show, on Sunday, uh, liken Najee Harris to, and you know, people who listen into this, you know, just relax and let me explain this. He likened him to Jerome Bettis in that you can use him as a closer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what I thought uh, we saw from Najee Harris on Sunday, which the guys a, is that he can be a tone setter. You want to play physical offense. Give the ball to him. Mm-hmm. Nothing against Jalen Warren. Uh, this this isn't a shot on Jalen Warren. But Najee Harris, what's he, 240? Um, that's, you know, he gets his shoulders square to the line of scrimmage. And if you get him to the line of scrimmage clean, um, he, he can do some damage. And uh, I really like the way he ran that 120-yard run where he came out of that pack where you thought he was down or stopped or maybe both. Yeah. Uh, That was (laughs) – The uh, scrum run. The scrum run. Okay. Uh, That, that to me, was impressive. And and I think you're going to need those guys being 
uh, the factors that they are. You've spent first round picks on both of them. You need to nurture that, nurture them, and then utilize them in ways, you know, where they can impact games and uh, their teammates too. And so I, I think both of those guys now seem to me in a small uh, snapshot to be back on track. Now you want to keep them going in that way. And if that happens, uh, I think that this change uh, really, really will end up being significant beyond points, yards, you know, the, the stuff that's really obvious. You know, you make a couple of great points, Labs. One of them, I love the fact that Kenny was taking a role in leadership outside the locker room. I, you know, I just a guy standing up and doing that and congratulating his team. He's assuming the the mantle that you know you know he already is 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 got the leadership stuff going on. All right, but at the same time to hear a little tidbit like that, doing it outside the locker room, making sure to you know congratulate the guys before they enter. Boy, that's that's another step up in proper leadership. Second thing, I love with. You've got Najee. You've got Jalen. There is nothing wrong with a little bit of uh, thunder and, and, you know, lightning type of stuff, you know. Whoever's got the hot hand. I love the fact of what Najee can do. When you see Najee get a hole, when the hole actually opens for him, Gadzooks, and what we saw saw, uh, down in Cincinnati was a great job by an offensive line that's really been – tooling up and getting itself going here but what a great stuff we saw in in those holes being ripped and they have let me tell you something they got some meat eaters on that defensive line for Cincinnati I know they're they're running you know rushing defense uh, totals aren't very good uh, for Cincy but that was a Josh Tupo and Jay Tefele and you got yourself uh, you know BJ Hill and uh, you know and and DJ Reader yeah I mean those guys are like woolly mammoths in there well, and, you know, you guys can speak to this, too, but I would imagine that when you're seeing a running back doing the kind of things that Najee was doing physically, yep, that has to be, you know, get your, uh, the, the lineman's juices flowing to want to uh, join in on the fun. Oh, yeah. Exactly so. And that was never more demonstrated, Max. You, tell me what your thoughts were when you saw the scrum run when Najee took it 20 yards and he's in the middle of a pack. You can't even see him. I don't know how he stayed on his feet. It, it, it was it was it was one word glorious. <laughs> that, that's that, that's exactly what it was. it was glorious because that that that's the epitome of what you want to be. Like if there's a snapshot to say, hey, what was your offensive line like back when you played? Play that clip on repeat. Right. 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 That's the type of play it was, and it was the mentality behind it, like what it takes to get to that point. That was, I'm not going to be denied, right? And that's what it displayed. And you saw the strain in everybody involved in that play. And, you know, once again, I got to give another special shout-out. Allen Robinson. Mm. Um, he was he was doing – Can I say the word, Max? The word. Greasy. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> greasy, that's right. He was getting greasy. I mean, he was, he was elbow deep. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was trying – Everything he gave every pound of his body into blocking linebackers, down linemen, safeties. 
he was coming in on a lot of those counter actions and he was he was he was a safety dig out guy and it just sometimes happened to not be a safety a larger number got in there it wasn't no longer in the 30s and below he was hitting 50s and 70s you know <laughs> um but his willingness inside the run game as well was a welcomed addition it looked like you know juju smith schuster of old heinz ward like all of these guys said wilson like getting in and just trying to dig a guy out to help get one, two, three extra yards on every single run. And that was what the mentality is. You know, it is, as you say, it's a want-to type of play. And their want-to outweighed the want-to of the defense to stop that play and their willingness to stop the play. And you saw that kind of three yards in a cloud of dust turn into 20 yards in a mountain of bodies. Um, it was It was just a phenomenal feat. And I love that because that builds confidence. When you can show that play in the meeting room and you can say, this is it. This is what we want to do. And you can take your mind back to a place where you understood what it took to get there. Now you have reference, right? You now have recall and you have what, what the most elusive thing of all that every NFL player needs experience doing that. That's what that builds for, for the squad. So it was, uh, <clears throat> it was phenomenal. Now labs, I do have to ask you the middle of the field and Pat Fryermuth. <laughs> 88 and out the gate, um, as as I looked at it a couple of times. They got him out the gate early, and they went to him often in that game. Just thoughts about utilizing, A, the middle of the field, but, B, utilizing the mooth on the loof, if you have a loose tooth. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, again, that was, that was another <clears> – excuse me. That was another um, feather in Pickett's uh, helmet, I think, a little <laughs> bit. Now, I get the – you know, you called the play, but – you know, when you looked at that, okay, the, the way the game unfolded, started, I mean, um, the Bengals win the toss, elected the defer, uh, so the Steelers getting the ball first. That means their offense is going out um, at first, first down, first snap. Now, you know, you look at the personnel on the field, okay, you had the three receivers, Allen Robinson, Deontay Johnson, and Pickens. You had uh, Najee Harris, and you had Fryermuth. Now, if you're looking at that and you're thinking, okay, what's the first play going to be? Now, what you've seen to this part of the season, the least likely thing would be getting the ball to Fryermuth, right? Based on, you know, what we've Absolutely. seen, what we've known. Then when you add in the fact that it was over the middle and deep, I mean, that's like a gadget play. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, you know. Um, and I, I, I firmly believe that, you know, there are, uh, certain things that you can do and should do based on what the opposing defense is either showing you or the strengths of that particular group that they have at that particular time. Um, and here's the other thing. I loved it because the guy who was in coverage was Logan Wilson. And mm. to me, he's their best defensive player. Right. You go right at him, first play, and it's successful. You know, not only does that give you a your offense, if you're on offense, a little bit of a uh, feel-good kind of thing, maybe a little bit of a boost, but I'm not saying that the, the Bengals' defense quit or anything after that, but they had to think, oh, you know, they went at our best guy, 
first play and was and it was a success in a fairly significant way. I mean, again, it wasn't a six-yard pass either. Right. It was 25 yards down the field to midfield almost um, against their best player uh, with a guy that, you know, you needed to get involved in the offense. And then I really liked, you know, this This is one of the, the criticisms, you know, of Matt Canada because, I, and it came through with Kenny Pickett's post game when he said, you know, uh, we were doing things based on what their defense was showing us. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, Matt Canada always didn't do that. You know, he was more, from what my understanding, he was more, you know, like in college, what you do is you want to run your offense. Okay. Right. You, you run your, in the NFL, you got to do, you know, you, you're, whatever you're trying to do has to be catered to the specific, I won't say weaknesses so much, but the tendencies of the team you're playing. You know, it's a player's league. Everybody has good players. So there, there are going to be alignments, defensive alignments or personnel groupings or however you want to explain it, that leave that unit vulnerable to certain things. And that's what you want to take advantage of. You don't want to just say, we want to run our offense and we need, if we execute it well, we'll be okay. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a legitimate it can't happen like that all the time, every week. So, uh, yeah, that to me was a, um, to me personally, it was a statement mm. that this is different because this is something, you know, we're, we're doing because what that two soft high safeties or however that was described, too you guys high. would know yep. that. Okay. Yeah. That terminology better. Uh, and the fact that there was no Cam Taylor Britt and, um, you know, it was the element of surprise too. As I said, it was virtually a gadget play. Um, I, I love, love that. that. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it lets the defense know as well as Lou Anarumo, who's calling the defenses. Oh, we're not going to be able to, you know, to expect what we have seen on video from them in the first ten games because maybe they're not going to do this when we expect it or when we have seen it done consistently uh, in the recent past. Well, that's, no, that's a great summary. Now, the, let me flip it over to the defense because are you as surprised as I am that with the lack of, of um, Cole Holcomb, with the lack of Quan Alexander, with the lack of Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, with Cam Hayward being out a number of weeks that he was, that defensively speaking, you could have guys like Damani Casey and Trenton Thompson step up, Michael Walker, Tyreek Carpenter get some some reps in there. I mean, I was this defense has done, I think, an outstanding job, in spite of the fact they've had some key members who are still out. Yeah, and you know, you 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 when that happens, um, when some of the guys who are able to come back come back. You know, it just boosts everyone else right, up. Right. You know, it's it's kind of the opposite of what you're kind of seeing at inside linebacker, which me is to me is the trickle down thing. You know, it's not that Landon Roberts uh, isn't capable, but when you remove Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander, okay, he's capable of. Landon Roberts is capable of stepping up into the number one roles, just to you know use a a phrase. Right. But now, what do you have behind him? 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's when you're going out and you're signing Blake Martinez and Miles right. Jack, and you're kind of, um, you know, mining around looking for uh, usable parts. It's like you're trying to get your car fixed and you go to the junkyard, you right. know, and you're looking for, you know, what, what, what can I uh, scavenge off some of these other cars that might work in mine, you know, to get me from point A to point B. Um, that's kind of what, you know, they're doing a little bit um, at inside linebacker, and that's what you got to do. That's an NFL season. Uh, but when, you know, you're getting Minka back now. So DeMonte Casey, um, what his role or whatever he has been doing uh, successfully, um, now you bring Minka back. Okay, and so you got those two guys. Then Trenton Thompson, um, I'll tell you what, based on, uh, you know, my interaction with Steelers Nation, uh, he is the new golden child. <laughs> I mean, they love this guy. And, you know, I don't have a whole lot bad to say about him either. Um, but, uh, yeah, that that was a really nice interception. Uh, I thought that was a big-time NFL kind of defensive back play that he made there right. uh, on that play. And, um, and let me say this. You look at the Bengals' offense, except for a couple of those tip passes that bounced into Jamar Chase's hands. They did nothing. Um, yeah, you know, cause that one that they were doing nothing, nothing, nothing. And, um, whoever it was, Keanu Benton or Larry Ogunjobi tipped the ball at the line of scrimmage and, uh, you know, Jamar, it bounces to Jamar chase and everybody, you know, is not moving, you know, in the, the, the change of direction of the ball, once it was deflected, kind of caught a lot of the defensive players out of position, which, you know, can happen. Right. Uh, and he just made a good play. But it seemed to me that there was really very little accomplished uh, by the Bengals' offense in terms of um, consistently and and uh, traditionally moving the football. Mm. No, yeah, it, it was um, you know good challenge coming up this week. I think you know we talked about some of the formations that were utilized, a lot of three tight ends um, with some motion in there, deploying them in different ways. Um, you know, a lot of people saying, well, you, that's not sustainable. You can't use that for multiple weeks. And I look at the schedule labs and I'm like, can we, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we got the Cardinals coming to town. Who's a team that's still trying to figure themselves out. Their quarterbacks trying to get back in shape, um, with everything. And then I look at, you know, we have, uh, we have the Patriots coming to town on a Thursday night, short week at home. And I'm like, I really feel like we could use use this approach for the next couple of weeks and really uh, cement their you know our identity on offense is that we're a ball possessing ball controlling type of offense and you know we want to we want to try and beat guys up especially as it comes into December at home. Um, what do you think about the way that those multiple tight end sets were used and how it it really became something of a of a, of a bonus for us and I think we might have found an identity even though. You know, we were playing Septemberish football just a week ago in November, and now it kind of looked like November-style football um, last week. Well, the, the thing I liked about, you know, the multiple tight end formations, uh, you threw to them a little bit, mm-hmm. the extra tight yeah. ends. Yep. So it wasn't, you know, because it seemed to me, you know, early in the season, and I think you guys were talking about this um, on the pregame show, you know, it's like Darnell Washington was carrying a big drum onto the field with him beating on it and yelling out, we're going to run the ball, we're going to run the ball. You know what I mean? Um, 
it, yeah. it doesn't have to be, you know, the same thing all the time. Now, I'm not saying that Darnell Washington should be looked at as Tony Gonzalez or anything because he's not that. I mean, he uh, he wasn't that in college. I, I don't know that he's that kind of route runner or the, the kind of a receiving weapon that, you know, you want to feature uh, in an offense or anything, but you can throw him the ball. I mean, he, he can make catches. I, I, I was there at training camp every day. Uh, you know, you see him, uh, he is capable. And so uh, rather than it be, you know, something that is predictable to the point of, you know, being absurd almost, um, you, 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 you show, because that's on video too now. You know, and, and if if that continues, you know, you target Darnell Washington, you know, a couple of three times a game, maybe. Well, as you move, you know, on down the road in the schedule, the uh, opposing teams looking at this video thinking, well, you know, we, we better at least pay attention to this guy. You know, not that you're going to you know, commit your best coverage guy on him or anything, but we got to we got to pay attention. They might throw the ball to number 80. So everybody keep an eye on him. And that's just a little something else you know, to make the opposing defensive players think about. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that that's a component of good NFL offense. And, um, you know, and then then there's the other thing is if you're getting a little too soft when he's in there looking for a pass, uh, you give the ball to number 22 and, uh, you know, number 80 takes your uh, end on the or your end player on that end of the line of scrimmage right. and turns him inside and 22 bounces to the outside. And all of a sudden, you know, your cornerback has to come up and make a tackle in space on a 240 pound guy who might jump over. him. <laughs> so, um, you know, you're, you're starting to create some situations by instilling a little bit of doubt into the defense. And I, I, again, that to me is an important part of what I consider to be, uh, big league professional offensive football. Last thing for me, Labs, I, I look at Joey Porter, and, uh, you know, I, I keep thinking of a, a very young Mel Blunt, and I'm I, no way where I'm not comparing him to in that sense of, but he, he reminds me in his physical frame how big he is and how big Mel was. I When I first met Mel as a rookie in 1980, I kept thinking to myself, Oh, that's got to be a linebacker, please. You know, that can't be a corner. But, of course, it was Mel Blunt. But, you know, you look at Joey Porter as a young guy. Some of the things that he's doing are very, let's just let's just say they're bluntish, very Mel Bluntish, a very young Mel Bluntish type thing. Not that it's Mel Blunt, but very Blunt-like. Yeah, I, I get it. And, I mean, I, I really like the fact that uh... – Two things about Joey Porter Jr. that I think are absolutely mandatory to have to play that position in the NFL. Number one, um, you know his 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 memory uh, is is that of a fruit fly. You know, <laughs> and you got you know, right? I mean, it's barely it's barely over, and he's already forgotten about it, which right. is great. Yes. Uh, the other thing is, uh, there's no such thing as a challenge that he's not excited about. Uh, and that's another thing you got to have, true. you know, whether, whether it's confidence or whatever word you want to use to describe that. I mean, you're following DeAndre Hopkins around, you're chasing Jamar Chase around, because I'm going to be honest with you guys. The minute that that uh, draft pick was announced on Friday, at the top of the day, the top of the draft, 
Jamar Chase was the first guy I thought of. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. this is finally, you know, yeah. you got something now where you you have a, a bullet in the gun, so to speak. Not that you're going to shut that guy down or anything, because you're not. But uh, at least now uh, you, you you got uh, a I don't know a, a chance in the fight. Yeah. And uh, I think that he he gives you that. And Wolf, just to, let me throw this out real quick. Okay. And then I got a question for Max, so you can't cut me off. I won't. Um, okay. Let's not forget 1974 AFC Championship game in Oakland, which the Steelers won to go to their first Super Bowl. Mel Blunt got pulled in the middle of that game because Cliff Branch was smoking him. Wow. And Bud Carson, the defensive coordinator, pulled him. And, you know, you can imagine how Mel Blunt reacted to that. Yeah. Um, but – Again, you know, people think of Mel Blunt and Hall of Famer and they changed the rules because of him and all that kind of stuff. Well, it wasn't necessarily a smooth ride for him from start to finish either. Right. So imagine, just think about that, what that would have been like for a cornerback starter for many years to get pulled in the biggest game in franchise history while it's being played because one of your coaches said, you're you're hurting us. Yeah. You're hurting us beyond, you know, what I can stand to look at anymore. Hmm. Okay, so yeah, there's there. It, it's not a that's a difficult position, and to expect anyone to play that without there being bumps on the road is not realistic. Okay, Max, I've been getting this question. You're the only one I can think of uh, who can speak to it um, with the, um, you know, having been there. Jalen Warren's uh, 74-yard run against the Browns. Was that the same play as Willie Parker, 75-yard run in Super Bowl Forty? No, it was not. Um, I didn't was, think that, so, but tell me yeah. why. So the play that we ran actually went between the uh, the tackle and tight end and, and a counter motion. Alan Fanica pulled out up in the hole. He took the front side linebacker. I was working a double team block up to the middle middle backer. Um, it was Cal counter 32, 34 pike. Um, so it was an inside counter play that just went yard because of the blocking and Hines going in motion, overshifting the safeties to the weak side. So it gave us a clear lane. Um, this one was an outside toss or outside zone read type of play where you had, you had running back front side, Moving, motioning out, quarterback tossing to the outside, and you saw outside motion with the lead blocker. Um, so it was designed to get into what we call the alley. The alley is between the end man on the line of scrimmage to that side and the receiver. So that's called an alleyway. So that was the play that was designed for that type of run. So completely different, no counter motion in that in, in that type of play. So it made it made it a lot a lot I would say more difficult to get the success as opposed to what we ran. So it was a completely different play that was structured and it had a phenomenal result, of course, by it. Okay. Thank you. Look for that uh, soon in an asked and answered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a method to your madness. Oh, absolutely. Do, do my work for me, Max. Do my yeah, work no for worries, me. No worries. No worries. No worries. <laughs> Spectacular.
All right. Well, Laz, we appreciate the time. This, as always, I mean, ha- ha- having this conversation with you is a treat. And of course, every Tuesday, you know, offering your time up for the show, we truly appreciate it. And like I said, you could go catch the great and esteemed and distinguished Bob Labriola <laughs> uh, with editor-in-chief of the Steeler, of Steelers Digest, but also go to Steelers.com, a major contributor there that asked and answered. Um, it probably won't be on today's. It'll probably be on next week's. Um, <laughs> the glorious answer that Bob just came up with on his own. He knows offensive structure better than anybody I know. Uh, <laughs> Labs, we surely appreciate your time. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, brother. Okay, you two guys. See you on Sunday. Sounds good. All right. All right. We'll be back with more Inside the Locker Room here on ESPN and SNR Radio. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Max, one of the things that just continually amazes me is when I watch the great T.J. Watt take the field. And you watch him in the pregame, pregame, you know, the pre to the pregame warm-up. He comes out earlier. Yeah. And you watch him working one-on-one, you know, the, the pass rush hand techniques that he uses, you know, the trap, the arm drag, uh, all those things, working them in a fashion that, like, he's like uh, the karate kid, you know, Mr. Miyagi's out there with him, and he's working his hand techniques over and over and over again. And I watch that, you know, and then you see it manifest itself on a pass rush out there. He pulls it off on Jonah Williams, and then, dead gummit, he beats two guys, you know, and still comes is, is able to come and, and get and nail the quarterback. And then the second sack, I couldn't believe it when Chandon Sullivan blitzed off the slot, <laughs> and both yeah. the, both uh, Jonah Williams and the tight end, they both go to get him, and they leave the most dangerous pass rusher in the universe alone with a direct run at the quarterback. I mean, that's like wow. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. I mean, listen, listen, listen. TJ is playing on a different stratosphere right now um, when you're talking about what he's doing and the fact that the conversation never shifts back to him. It's always, oh, my gosh, look at the guy with the star on his helmet, <laughs> that being Micah Parsons. Right, right. Um, you know, I know for all those out there that are Penn State fans, uh, yes, Micah Parsons. He's no longer a Penn Stater right now. He is a Dallas Cowboy. I know the uniform changed slightly. He added some silver along with the white and the navy. But he's Max not our friend when we're talking about <laughs> Sorry, it just Thank felt you. right. I mean, hey, talking hey, about Max, it just felt right. You should have seen Wesley's face as he looked at me. You know, oh, just oh, as he, he lit fired up. All he, lit he lit up. up. He, was, he, could, he, could, he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait we got to a lot of good. We off. got a lot of good drops in the system, but I think, <laughs> I think that's my favorite one. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a quality one, you know, just to make sure that everybody knows. What school did I go to, Wes? You went to. Max Starks, Florida Gators. <laughs> that's right. That's wonderful. That's right. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. My wounded Gators, by the way. That was oh, a yeah. horrible game against right. FSU and a backup quarterback. But I digress. 
Um, TJ, I mean, should be a front runner. The production speaks for itself. And yes, the guy in Cleveland, you know, that's also looks, you know, looks like a well-fitted monster from Space Jam, uh, you know, is... You know, he's kind of nicked up too now. You know, yeah. he had the shoulder in the game against Denver. And I, you know, I, do I think there will be a precipitous fall off in production? Maybe not precipitous, but there will be some um, fall off. But TJ has been consistent. When healthy, please name a defensive player better than TJ Watch this season. Or even even including last season. Because, I mean, I know you go to the historical greatness at the defensive tackle position. You say Aaron Donald. I'm not going to deny that. He's a first right. ballot Hall of Famer whenever he decides to hang it up. Right. By no stretch of the imagination. But he hasn't affected his team's success as much as he has in previous years when he won those Defensive Player of the Year awards. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's tough sledding right now if you're an L.A. Ram. I mean, yes, you did just beat up on the Cardinals. I watched that game in preparation for this week. Um, but TJ is just something else, man. I mean, you know. We could say Bucky Badger or Honey Badger or, you know, whatever Badger you want to insert because of his collegiate ties. Or Cheesehead. Or Cheesehead, you know. But what TJ's doing, he is outpacing performance with averaging better than a sack per game of production. He is one of two in NFL history. Unbelievable. History. Yeah. To have... Over 90 sacks in his first 100 games of his career. Think about how crazy that number is. And the only guy above him is is Reggie White. How about that? And who did he surpass? His own brother. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. Kane slew Abel to a degree (laughs) in this moment. Um, and no, without the violence, I mean, cause JJ was there, he's celebrating him and JJ's doing fine. He's on yeah, television every he's Sunday. Fine. Absolutely. Um, he, he's fine. No wounds, no nothing. Just pride is hurt. I'm sure. Cause big brother wanted to hold something over his younger brother's head. It did not happen. Younger brother has stood on his brother's shoulders and said, ha ha, I got the apple and took the first bite. Um, <laughs> that is kind of what happened in that moment, but you're right. I mean, it's a historical pace and nobody's going to deny that JJ Watt will be a first ballot hall of famer, uh, for his career. So, when you're in that rare air, you can't deny the success. And I think a lot of people kind of have this kind of fatigue with saying a Watt last name. I don't know what it is, but TJ is different than JJ uh, Watt, you know. And I think that's where we have to kind of give that man his props, throw his flowers at him while he can still appreciate them because he is a game wrecker. He is yep. an X factor. He is a multiplier. Actually, I'm going to go further than that, Wolf. He's an exponent. Exponent. As a yes. proponent? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Meaning meaning he, he gets to multiply even more than multiplication. Ah, uh, okay. See, you know, when you do something to the second or third power, it's his effect times itself and possibly times itself again. He could go, he could go cubed. You know what I'm saying? I can't like, even go one power, beyond Max. That. That's right. I just broke through the fourth wall right now in this show. Um, yes, he begets himself and others. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's that type of force multiplier um, when it comes to the impact he has. Because when he does not make the play, others make the play. Right. When right. you're paying attention to him, guess who gets to go free? Cam Hayward, Larry Joby, depending on who's on his side. No you doubt. Know, when, when he doesn't make the play, Alex Highsmith has a shot at because he's forced flow to him. When he doesn't make the play, Chandon Sullivan, 
anybody else blitzing can make the play. Like, that's what it is. It hurries up the progression, which allows a secondary, a la Trenton Thompson, to make a pick or a play on the ball. Uh, you know, there's just so many factors that he affects when he is in this lineup that that's what it, that's what a defensive MVP is. He affects the entire defense, and they are better because of it. Like, his addition into the lineup creates problems for opposing offenses by himself. Absolutely. Well, brother, you know what? We got to break on that one because you got the wrap-up on the Bell app coming up. So stay tuned. We have the, the Mike Tomlin press conference today, which I, I, I know Wesley was about to admonish me as I'm, I'm packing up stuff. He's like, oh, where are you going? I would warn <laughs> you now, but you'll forget in 10 minutes. So, <laughs> so stay with us because we got coming right back with Max in the Bell app. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, we are inside the Bell Lap. That's right, that is your early foraging system uh, that we provide for you every single day to let you know that it's almost lunchtime. Uh... That dinner bell gets better and better. Um, yeah. It is a lunch bell of love. Um, you know, as we break this down, you know, kind of previewing, I think, you know, what are we expecting to see from, you know, to, to hear from Mike Tomlin in this press conference? I mean, I don't think it's going to be earth shattering because once again, it is simply doing the job, right? It is it is that they, they expect to win when they come out there. And they did just that. And I think that's kind of the pre- the preamble. I think we're going to get a lot of questions about Mike Sullivan's game calling and the way that he called the plays, Eddie Faulkner. Um, you know, w- what else do you anticipate kind of being answered um, in, in, in this, uh, in, in this uh, press conference, Wolf? Well, you know what? <clears throat> Again, kind of give a little more insight as to what they were thinking. Why? Again, I, I'm, I'm so eager to know, why was it all of a sudden so many targets going to the tight ends? I mean, think about it. You got uh, you got uh, nine or 11 to Fryermuth and then two more. What? So you got like 13, 14 targets to um, the tight end as a group. And the fact that they ran so much multiple tight end looks, I, I'm excited by it. I just kind of wonder is if he's going to reveal, is this a forward way of thinking for them? Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably a, a really good one as well. So, I mean, we're, we're going to hear it. It's coming up very soon, less than five minutes from now. So we want to make sure we step aside and, and give it enough time and give it the credence that it deserves <laughs> to hear on yet another Victory Tuesday press conference from Mike Tomlin. So we will step aside, of course. You know, no day would not be complete without talking about the fact that you can go find all your Steelers memorabilia, gear, hats, jerseys, all your whatnots in the holiday shopping season by going to one of three physical locations. That's right. You can touch, you can, not, I wouldn't taste it, but you can feel it. 
Um, all the memorabilia for your favorite Steelers group, stocking stuffers, and other great things you can give to your Steeler fan this Christmas season by going to either at Acture Stadium to one of the Steelers premium stores or going to Grove City or the Tanger outlets as well. Or just go shop.steelers.com and have it delivered. And you don't have to do anything. No gas money wasted. But I do want to thank everybody for today. Thank John Kolb. Of course, Adventures in Training with a Purpose. Go to adventurestraining.org to give on Giving Tuesday, Best of the Batch Foundation, as well.org for Charlie Batch and his work. He's Craig Wolfley. I'm Max Starks. Wesley Euler on the ones and twos. And, of course, Brian LaMartina making it, you know, it all happen for us. The sensei himself. And, of course, young CJ as I take a bow. The ninja in training that fields all the calls and gets all the technological things behind the doors going for us and escaping all of that good stuff. All right, go out and make it a great day. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.